Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's part of my truth to know that we can actually live much, much longer and stay much, much younger for a longer time as long as we're in joy. The thing is, we lose our joy. So the inner saboteur tries to, uh, well, it doesn't try. It actually succeeds very, very well in sabotaging us unless we're onto its game. Uh, it wants uh, to stop us before we get brilliant, before we get super intelligent, before we get super, super in joy. It wants to keep us in fear. That's its uh, weapon. If we're in fear, we're in shame, we're in guilt, we're in anger, we're in hate, it's the inner saboteur that has control over us. Katarina Hansens Carlsen, welcome to the Paul Dervai podcast. Thank you, Paul. Very so nice to have to, you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. So we... we um, started talking just before we started to record and I was like we have to stop talking (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's not easy is it (laughs) no I know I know I think it's when you have a great conversation going it's not easy to stop exactly so just for the listeners if you could um, do a presentation of yourself who you are and, and what you do okay sure uh so my name is Katarina Hansens Carlson and I'm the world's number one business vision consultant and trainer. And why am I number one? Because I can find my client's vision, business vision, in four to six hours guaranteed. And I've done that for 20 years. So nobody's challenged me yet. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what I do. And now uh, I and my partner are building business vision centers for adults worldwide so it's very exciting and then the next project is schools so that's who i am (laughs) (laughs) that's not a a small start (laughs) no but i don't believe in small you know so many of us play small and secure and safe but i i i say small secure and safe and bored to death you know, and, uh, you know, it, it's boring. And none of us are really boring. We're really brilliant people inside. But some of us have suppressed that brilliance. Why, why do we suppress that brilliance, do you think? Uh, we're programmed. You know, if you look at children, uh, George Land, a former scientist, NASA scientist, uh, did research into children's genius. And he found that 98% of children between zero and six were operating at creative genius. So only 2% were not, you know. So by the time uh, we're teenagers, we operate at about 12%. By the time we're adults, 2%. And why? It's the system we live in, the educational system we live in, the Jantislag, as we have in uh, Sweden. You know, you shouldn't... uh, you shouldn't show off. 
But I think we've misunderstood Jantislag. Uh, Jantislag was, was created in Denmark. This is my theory. Yeah. I may be wrong, but, <laughs> <laughs> but this is my theory. <clears throat> that Jante uh, was, uh, he saw what uh, the Hitler regime was doing to the world. And they were uh, obviously racist and they were superior. So he, he advised in his village that people, nobody was superior to anybody else, which is absolutely correct. Everybody's equal. Yeah. And nobody's better or worse than you. It doesn't matter who they are. And, uh, and so that's my interpretation of, of Jantis Lau. But I see in Scandinavia a lot of people who are ashamed. They're, they're guilt-driven. Uh, and and shame driven and uh that's really sad because um in scandinavia you're intelligent you're good looking you know there's no reason why you shouldn't be brilliant as well and the and and you're brilliant there's many many brilliant people here who suppress their brilliance but when you say that we are um we're ashamed how how does it differ in different countries in europe mm. Interesting question. Uh, I think there's, you know, if you look at older people, they're kind of bent over. That means that means shame. And uh, you know, if you ask someone uh, to come to the front of the room and do a presentation, they're ashamed. Mm. There's a there's a lot of shame here compared to where I've lived in Britain. Uh, it's a little different. Uh, mentality is a little bit more arrogant in Britain. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I think there's shame, of course, all over the world, but I see it particularly here in Scandinavia. Yeah. Mm. So I guess that you mean that we uh, misinterpreted Jantes Log. Yeah. Instead I of everybody's supposed to be great, it was yeah. like you are not supposed to be great. Everybody's supposed to be equally low. Yeah, you can't be better than your neighbor. You can't be, you know, even in schools. I, you know, I've, I've I've worked here as a teacher in Sweden, and I see that 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 uh, teachers say, well, you know, Emilia is very good at maths, but she's on page forty-seven, and so she can't go any further because, you know, um, Emil is not very good at maths, and he will feel bad. So she keeps the whole class back. Which I think is crazy. So you're keeping genius back here. All over the world we do this. But particularly here, it's like we mustn't make Emil feel bad. So everybody's at Emil's level. Yeah, It's really sad. I mean, Emil's probably brilliant at Spanish or something else. But, uh, you know, Emil should be encouraged to, do, to, to bring out the mathematical genius in him. He probably doesn't know he has one. But everybody has. And maybe not in every subject, but we all have genius. It, it's interesting when you talk about math because I hated math. <laughs> it was the worst subject that I had in, in, in school. Oh. But then I had a teacher who she didn't give up. She was like, you, you can. You can actually do math. And she showed me that I could. And then I was, between all my subjects, I, I became actually best at math. There you go. But um, I went out with super low grades because I think my thought is that the I know actually that the other teachers didn't didn't believe in me, okay. in my possibilities. Yeah. So uh, she was the one that just showed me that 
anything is possible. Uh, you can you can do math. It's not impossible. You just have to give it patience, and you will learn. And I and I learned math. And you got good grades in math. In math. And Fantastic. shit in the rest. In the, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So you were blessed with one good teacher yeah. out of you know many who just didn't even know their own genius, so they weren't bringing out your genius. So exactly. Yeah. So that's a typical example of what can happen in schools. Mm. They've got to, children have got to believe. They do actually believe in their own genius. If you talk to, you know, a three-year-old, four-year-old, up to a seven-year-old, and you say, well, are you a genius? Well, I'm genius at some things, at least, you know. Mostly I'm I'm genius at everything, but not all the time. They'll just talk like that, you know. <laughs> it's so sweet. <laughs> but you ask a teenager, are you a genius? What? They'll say, what? Are you a genius at something? No. They are, but they've, you know, we've dumbed down our schools, unfortunately. Yeah, and it actually scares me because it's very often that I talk to people and they say, yeah, well, I'm I'm actually not that, that smart. Yeah. I was like, wow, wh Hello. why do you say that you're dumb? I mean, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Yeah. he's Somebody who says that is actually programming himself to be stupid. Yeah. So we have a lot of power over our own minds. So it's very important to to nurture our genius, nurture our intelligence, nurture our beauty. We're all beautiful in some way, and we're all intelligent in some way. So how do we how do we uh, stop dumbing down the people? We have to change our educational system. Absolutely. In what way? We we need to have genius teachers first of all. And we need to start, for example, in Sweden, we need to start with trilingual uh, play schools. So children can learn three languages. What are they doing for seven years? I know it's going to be changed now, but they're playing. They scream a lot. I hear them screaming. They're, I think they're screaming out of frustration. They're really bright. They want to learn. Um, Karolinska did research on... Uh, children from zero to six, they're linguistical geniuses and they should be learning languages. And maybe three is too much, but, you know, most children would say, no, it's fine. So, for example, in my schools, it would be, first of all, you would go in to a big room where there'd be games, a little bit Montessori-like, and it would be the language of that country. So here it would be Swedish, but it would be a little bit more advanced Swedish than normal play schools. So Emil and uh, uh, Alicia would learn, instead of fighting, they would learn to communicate with quite advanced adult words. And then you'd go into the next room and you'd speak English. Okay? And you'd play in English. English films, English games, English, English, English. As soon as you wanted to speak Swedish again, you just ch switched rooms. And then the third one would be French or Spanish, for example. Because I, I, when I grew up, my father always spoke Spanish with me. There you go. So I, I have, I'm a, what, what do you call it? Du, duolingo. Bi bilingual. Bilingual, yes. yes. Yeah, You're bilingual. bilingual, yes. And I, I, I yeah. actually learned English when I was seven or eight. I could already speak English. And they didn't teach us in class. I know that I watch a lot of movies, like American movies. And, and when I was young, they didn't dub the movies either. Okay. So it was either English, Spanish, or Swedish, and my father also had had English friends. Right. So, uh, and I've heard something it that um, 
young kids can manage up to I don't know how how many languages, but up to four or five without a problem. I think it is. I th- I think so. I think you have to be careful. I was brought up uh, bilingually uh, with a Belgian mother and a Scots father, and I was brought up in London and Cambridge. Um, and I know that at school, my English vocabulary wasn't as advanced as other children. But that's okay, because you can catch up. All you have to do is read a lot and express a lot. But nobody explained to the teacher, she's bilingual. She speaks two languages, okay? So her brain is working faster than and, and more rapidly than most children in the class. Because what happens in the brain, Paul, did you, do you know when you, when you learn one language... Um, and you learn the second language, the information from the first language moves to another part of the brain. So your brain is more active. So three or four languages, I don't think we should limit children, but I don't think we should pressure them too much because it's important that they can speak one language really well. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, my, my children spoke in Sweden. We spoke English at home. And as soon as we went out the door, we spoke, uh, what did I say? In Sweden, English at home and Swedish outside. And in England, we spoke the opposite. Swedish inside, English outside. We just switched, you know. As soon as they came out of Dargis, we'd speak speak English again. And and they would say, oh, mom, do we have to? And I said, oh, you're going to thank me later, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And I think they do today, right? Oh yeah, they yeah. they're they're bilingual and they've uh, both learned uh, um, a third language, yeah. so French and Spanish. Yeah. Because we, when I was when I was young, I think I I I asked I answered my father with broken Swedish oh. like with an accent okay. but when he spoke to me. But I think it was first when I was four when we went to Spain. Yeah. That's when everything just just opened up. Yeah. And then I started speaking Spanish fluently. I understood yeah. everything, but I always answered him in Swedish. But then something happened when I was four, and then it clicked, and I started speaking Spanish. You so. clicked, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's fantastic because the the whole milieu was the environment was Spanish, so it was just natural for you to speak Spanish. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I don't think we should push children. I think we should play with children and yeah. play with languages and make it fun. And if they are a little bit too stressed with three or four languages, then okay, then learn two. Learn yeah. two. yeah. And I also think the, the 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 playfulness that you bring up, because I think when I when I was young, when I went to school, so I was, you got in at eight or nine, you had to sit and sit still for yeah. an X amount of time, yeah. and and oh, <laughs> you got ants up your butt, you need to sit still. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're we're kids. I don't yeah. know if we're actually supposed to sit still that long. No, and not just, unless you're a yogi. Yeah. No, if you're a yogi <laughs> and you're learning to sit still and you're, you know, very, very young, fine. But we are not supposed to be sitting still. You know, we're not made like that. And yeah. and I, I know I've talked to children who have actually uh, uh, interrupted exams and upset the whole class because they couldn't sit still. And they were upset because they said exactly what you said. Well, I've got ants in my pants. I can't sit still. So we shouldn't make children sit still i mean if it's a test or an exam okay but but they should have m- uh, many more breaks uh, science has also proved that if you have more breaks and you have more fun you learn better yeah. and quicker yeah. so how long should a school day be for for kids oh that's a good question uh, in my schools they will start quite early because you know in scandinavia 
parents start work early. So I think it would be good if their children started early. So maybe half past seven, eight o'clock in the morning. But then start with uh, activities, you know, start with with uh, running around the playground, start with uh, gym, get your body going, you know, mm. and then uh, and then you can sit still a little bit longer. But I don't think uh, children should st sit still for too long, as I said. So half, half or seven, eight in the morning till about four. The thing is, with my schools, they'll do academics in the morning and the afternoon, it's all about them. Educare is to bring out, it's not to force in. And I've talked to children who've said, school's a prison. Yeah. And that's sad. And yeah. it actually, it is a sort of prison because they have no choice. They do have to go to school. They have to sit in certain classes at certain times. They have to learn certain s subjects. But I think we should apologize to children and say, <clears throat> okay, in the mornings, you're going to do academics because we haven't changed the system yet. However, in the afternoons, we're going to bring out the entrepreneur in you. So for you, it would be stand-up comedy, for example. It would be interviewing. It would be acting. And we would promote that in the afternoon. So children, this is my vision, children won't want to go home <laughs> because we'll be focusing on them you know yeah. what is your brilliance what is your genius what do you want to do and if it's tv games of course they can go do tv games and they can create their own tv games so by the time they're 17 they have their own business and their own income i mean i i, I would like to go to your school oh, when i was great. a kid you're because, very welcome <laughs> <laughs> because when, when i was young i had theater and that was after school and yeah. everything was just academics and and I gotta say that I'm not an academic person in that way. I'm more an aesthetic person in in acting and yeah. doing stand up and and being a theater monkey, as we call it here in Sweden, yeah. teatropa. Yeah. And and I would really have enjoyed that if if that was possible. But when I went to school, it wasn't. It wasn't. And maybe I would have become more of an academic if I could have done everything that I also loved. Yes, that's true. I think if children know that in the afternoon, the afternoons are theirs and it's all about them, I think they'll work harder academically. And it also works the other way round. If there are children who are really lazy or just say, well, I'm just not going to do anything in the morning. I'm just going to wait for the afternoons. They're not going to be allowed to do, you know, to be to do the entrepreneurial Part. They're going to have to do academics in the in the afternoon. But it's interesting that you brought up the subject of academics because I was thinking, you know, what is it where education is about? Are, are we going to be like seven billion uh, intellectuals, seven billion academics? You know, we've still got war. We've still got poverty. We've still got, you know, not that good health actually on the planet. So we're not solving the problem. So, you know, your creative genius wasn't brought out except for by your math teacher. Yeah. And you didn't think you were good at math. Right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we've lost out. And you've actually followed your genius. So you're one of the few exceptional people who've just haven't given up on your genius you know you've kept going so that's great yeah and i think for me it's every time that i like try to n not try when let's say i i like my first job i i uh i was a zamboni driver they they on on the ice at the hockey rings well wow. okay. so um and that is not 
it, it was a fun job, but yeah. it's not me. No. But it's easy to get stuck with like money and yes. um, vacations yes. and, and everything. And But I think like three years in, I almost, I didn't get deep depressed, but I started to feel like this is not me. I, yeah. I, I can't live this life. And every time that happens, I freak out and I really go back to what I need to do. So I think that every time that I kind of got stuck in like a normal job, I, I I panic and I have to do something else. I need to get back to my creative roots and I have to, I got to be creative because if not, I think I would be locked up and, and insane if I would suppress all of that. Yeah, so Absolutely. And I, you're not alone. You're not yeah. alone because uh, that's what the, what I call the inner saboteur does. It tells us to play safe, small and secure. And, you know, then we'll have a holiday. We'll be bored to death most of the year, but we'll have a fantastic holiday and we'll get blind drunk mm. <laughs> because we're miserable really inside and we're not being ourselves. Because, you know, if you work in the corporate world, you can't be, this is my truth anyway, you can't be fully yourself. No. And you were not going to give up on yourself. So that's good that you actually listened. Because I've met a lot of brilliant people who do amazing, competent work in the corporate world. And they wake up and they go, well, first of all, this the money I'm making is not going to go in my pocket is going to go in someone else's pocket but most of all I'm not being myself and they go home and they're miserable they're depressed they yeah. just want to shut off you know but the thing is what I would suggest is they get their business vision and get it as soon as possible and get it quickly and start their own business before they even leave work because if you're in joy you're going to make money <laughs> <laughs> So, so how how does a person go to um to find that um the vision or what they want to do if they're at a at at any work and they're not satisfied? Yeah, they how? can come to me. Very, yeah. they're very welcome. In a four to six hour business vision consultation, I guarantee they will find their business brilliance. Mm. We'll also find their inner saboteur because we all all have this inner saboteur that will wants to keep us safe, small, and bored to death. And once we find a strategy, we can turn it around and reframe it, as Anthony Robbins says, reframe. Reframe, you know, your negativity. So tell me about the inner saboteur. Yeah, it's a very interesting uh, guy that we have, which who, who operates through our DNA. And if you look at, you know, our history for the past two to three thousand years, women have been extremely oppressed. I mean, how many women geniuses do we know in the last two thousand years? You know, Marie Curie, there's, there's a few, but not many. And uh, so that, that the inner saboteur keeps us small, safe, secure and bored to death and eventually kills us. <laughs> uh, because I, I also, uh, it's it's part of my truth to know that we can actually live much, much longer and stay much, much younger for a longer time as long as we're in joy. The thing is, we lose our joy. So the inner saboteur tries to, uh, well, it doesn't try. It actually succeeds very, very well in sabotaging us unless we're onto its game. Uh, it wants uh, to 
stop us before we get brilliant, before we get super intelligent, before we get super, super enjoy. It wants to keep us in fear. That's its uh, weapon. If we're in fear, we're in shame, we're in guilt, we're in anger, we're in hate, it's the inner saboteur that has control over us. Hitler's inner saboteur had complete control over him. Yeah, I was just thinking politics, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this exactly. sounds like almost like the the, what the the populist view of, of the world. Everything is bad. We're going to die. Stay at home. Get your arms. And oh, yeah. it sounds like, um yes, so maybe sometimes, like you said, the inner saboteur actually makes it to a powerful position also yeah. starts to spreading yeah all the negativity it gets greedy it gets it takes over power and it will you know first of all destroy you i mean hitler didn't know he was destroyed but uh he thought he had a solution to for germany but uh but eventually the saboteur will will destroy every you and then everybody around you it's yeah. very very powerful it comes from the reptilian brain which is uh You know, if you put your hand at the back of your neck, the reptilian brain is there. And, you know, uh, what I, at the beginning of our, you know, uh, of our evolution, we had a reptilian brain to keep us safe. However, you know, we live in an amazing world with amazing technology, full of opportunities. We don't need the inner saboteur in the same way. So we don't need it at all, actually. So, uh, so I mean, when we talk about it, I also think that when I see some different people, men and women, they may look older than they are. And that's, I always think that it's a lot of people that do not do what they want to do, actually. So yes. I think it goes, it, it, it goes hand in hand with the inner saboteur. Absolutely. That they're not satisfied and it, it shows yeah. in the face. Yeah. They look much older. Yes. They look much older because the fear shows, the guilt shows. It's like, it's, it's almost like it's an, the altered ego the, or the inner saboteur is wearing a mask on top of your face it's it's you know you're an actor you know you, you know what i'm talking about so if you if you have a life of hatred and fear it's going to show in your face and you're going to get older much quickly quicker and the other the opposite is also true the more joy you have the more you laugh the more you smile the more you live life every day to the full the younger you get <laughs> <laughs> So how do we start laughing more if if we are stuck in the negative pattern? Good question. <clears throat> First of all, we have to find out our inner saboteur strategy. When we do that, we can laugh at it. You know, then we're in power. Uh, the thing is to look for joy, to follow the path of joy every single day. You know, even if you have a job and you hate your job, start with okay, I'm home now. So what will give me joy? And also love yourself. If you love yourself, you can love anyone in the world. If you don't love yourself, you really can't love anyone. It's like a bottle of wine. You know, if you fill it up to the top and overflowing, you've got lots of wine for everyone. You've got lots of love for everyone. If you don't, if you stint on your own self-love, then you haven't got much for anybody. Why are we so bad at loving ourselves? Why, why are we... 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So we're afraid of even saying that we love ourselves. Ah, there you go, Yantis Log again. <laughs> and then religion, you know. Religion has kept us in poverty, in ignorance, and uh, and also in... Uh, in not loving ourselves. Now, you know, Yeshua ben Joseph, Jesus Christ, taught us to love ourselves. Love your neighbor as your, our, yourself. He loved himself. So that's what he taught. But we've twisted his message, and um, the church has, in order to get power. If you keep people in fear that they're going to go to hell, hell, uh, you keep them in poverty so you can get their money. I mean, look at the church. It's very, very rich. The Catholic church is very rich. <laughs> uh, then you've got power over people. Yeah. Yeah. Scared them to death. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Hitler yep. did that. <laughs> For sure. And, and Trumping, Trump is doing it now. Yeah, with, maybe. With, yeah. with, uh, with uh, fear. I think it's interesting because a lot of people may think that... Um, Going negative on on religion is can be kind of controversial. Absolutely. When, when did you when when did you start seeing this? I I saw a lot as a child. I I, I loved going to church. I went to congr- free congregational church uh, in London, and I loved the atmosphere. I loved singing, and I've always felt close to God. So I wouldn't say I'm a religious person. I would say I'm a spiritual person. But then, you know, at Sunday school, they couldn't answer my questions. I, I would say, well, you know, to explain death to me. Well, you know, why do we die? What, what's that? You know, children want to know, you know, and they couldn't answer. And, I, and, and there were so many questions I had, you know. I, I said, well, you know, if, if, if we're supposed to uh, love ourselves and love the world, why is there war? Why is there disease? You know, why is there so much hatred? You know, they couldn't answer. They couldn't answer my questions. So I thought, okay, right, I'll go somewhere else where they can <laughs> they can answer my questions. So wh- wh- where did you find your answers? I found them at an ancient school of wisdom. I, I started off as a teacher. Uh, then I became a psychotherapist. I had so many clients who asked me existentialist questions that I could not answer. And I thought, okay, this is not good enough. So I went to the States and went to an ancient school of wisdom, sat on the floor for seven years, not the whole of the seven years, but there were a thousand people in one room, including Shirley MacLaine, uh, Joe Dispenza, uh, Linda Evans, I mean, actors, uh, Nobel Prize winners, bums as well. All kinds of people, um, amazing people. And our teacher was Ramtha. 
and he's he uh, is the, was the first ascended master on this planet. Absolutely brilliant teacher, and he he taught me. He came to me when I was uh, very young. I wouldn't have survived without him. Uh, at about five years old. And he's been with me ever since, but I didn't know that until I, I met him in in the States and studied with him for seven years, and he's still with me every single day. Mm-hmm. So I found more than my answers. I found way, way more. I just want to like back up a little bit because some people may not understand the difference between spirituality and religion. Yeah, so. good question, yeah. For me, spirituality is much broader. For me, every single being on this planet and every planet is spiritual. Uh, Whether they're an atheist or whether they're agnostic or whatever they are, whether they completely deny God, they're spiritual. For me, they are. We're born spiritual. Genius is spiritual. And religion is belief. We talked about that previously, yeah. about knowledge and belief. Uh, I don't believe anything. And I hope nobody believes anything I say. Don't believe a word I say. Either know it for yourself or don't know it. And how do you know it? You feel it inside. You feel it in your soul, in your spirit, if I'm speaking the truth or not. So religion is about belief and about trust. And I know I'm going to be stepping on a lot of people's toes. <laughs> that, you know, They have to have faith. But if you think about it, if you believe and you have faith, you don't know anything. It's somebody else's truth. And how can we trust someone else's truth? You have to find out your own truth. And you, and, you know, and if you don't know what to, to, what to, what to, uh, what to trust, then trust nature. Because nature is a wonderful teacher. Nature is patient. Nature is, you know, if you observe animals, you observe nature, there's such a profound truth in all of nature. And, for example, Scandinavians, I've hardly ever met, I don't think I've ever met a Scandinavian who doesn't like the nature. And that's their, I wouldn't say it's a religion, that's their spirituality. That's their, they, they feel... They may not call it God, but for me, they're close to God in nature. And that's an interesting thing also, because I know that a lot of spiritual people can use the word God. Yes, and, and of course. And some will say that, oh, no, if you're not relig- like religious, mm-hmm. there's no God. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think most spiritual people do use the word yeah. God, you know, uh, meaning the life force, uh, the universe whatever you want to call it, the great void, thought. God, it, for me, is thought. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all think, right? So. <laughs> 100%. And I'm with you on the na- nature thing also. And the fun yeah. thing is, I think also now that we have science backed up that we get better by being in nature. I mean, if you're depressed, yeah. you'll get much better. You'll heal quicker if you're out in nature. Yeah. Yeah. The worst place to be is in a city where you meet a lot of depressed people <laughs> and you hate what you do and you you know you you're not happy in your relationship that is that is a depressing this depressing life yeah. yeah yeah so what 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 would you say for someone that has not uh, encountered spirituality what should they look for or who should they read or something if you can recommend because you mentioned a uh, uh, a name Ramtha yeah yeah 
I would recommend the white book if they're looking for spirituality. But first of all, I would recommend that they they dig deep into their own truth. First of all, live your truth before you live anybody else's truth. And then see what 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 other truths you know expand your truth with other people and if it if it's aligned with your truth good then it then it becomes your truth as well if it's not reject it mm-hmm. yeah no. <laughs> just oh and, and feel if it gives you joy if it feels right inside do it if it doesn't don't no and be very you know for me don't trust anyone trust yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I like that. And I also think there, there's an old Buddhist quote, something that just because I say it is not true. You got to believe yourself, just, just what you're saying now. Mm-hmm. And I think that most of the time, most religions, they have the answer. And for me, when people have the answer, like 100% have the answer, that kind of scares me. Yeah, it is scary, yeah. isn't it? it? And it doesn't feel right for us, you know, no. 100%. That's, that's brainwashing. That is brainwashing. And, you know, some people say, okay, so we need our brains washed. Okay, maybe that's true. (laughs) (laughs) However, if it doesn't resonate with love and joy and your own intelligence and your own genius, don't buy it. Don't buy it. And especially if they have an agenda. And if they're in the power crazy or anything like that, you know, that comes from the inner saboteur. Just um, walk away. <laughs> it's their truth. They're not wrong. They're not right either. But it's, it's uh, you know, walk away. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get back to, to the um, uh, inner brilliance or business brilliance, inner genius. Because for me, what I sometimes have a problem with is that I, I can have a vision, but I'm bad at making the plan. Okay. The strategy. Like right. a one year, or two year, five year plan. Right. So right. I can have my ideas, and sometimes I can get stuck because I, I'm I'm bad at planning. Okay. So how do how does one do to plan better? Okay, very good question. Um, well, Paul, what in, in twenty years of working with people, I've found that that we have visionaries, we have organizers, and we have marketers, and we're born that way. So you have, if you have a, a a visionary husband and a and an organizer wife, they're in big trouble because she'll try and organize him to like be practical, get money, etc. And and he will say, oh no no no, but that doesn't give me joy. And, and this is my vision. And he will, she will say, vision doesn't pay the bills. Okay. So back to your question. You're sounds like you're a visionary. You're highly creative, and you know you are driven by joy. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, not my my money necessarily. No. So, and if it makes money, that's fine. So, it's very important to plan. So, uh, once you are clear about who you are, and who you are is who you've been in the past at your peak, right? Then you need to be cl- clear about your brilliance, but then you need to have a five year clear vision you know what am I going to do in the first year and what money am I I need to have you need to have financial goals in three years and five years and stay with it just be vision driven so it's very very important to have the numbers and what you're going to do and if you uh, if you don't stick to your vision 
then get a coach or get a consultant or someone who can help you stay with your plan. And ideally, find an organizer to join you in your business because they'll help you to stay grounded and stay with your plan and stay with your vision. And you'll inspire them. And the marketer goes out and sells for you. So we actually, in business, in you know, larger, once we expand, we need three people. Or we need to be, for example, you're a visionary, I'm a visionary. We both need marketers and organizers to help us. You know, they can be affiliate partners, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And um, I, I'm going to tell you a story. When I did stand-up, I started to think about um, how my one-man show in Globen would be like. Yeah. So I started to envision everything like the stage, props, things I would have there, there the background and sold out audience. And I was thinking about this on the bus. <clears throat> so I went on with this thought, maybe five to ten minutes. And in the end, I thought, yeah, well, maybe you should do your first performance <laughs> before you think about selling out Globen. <laughs> That's beautiful. But that's how, how we think as visionaries. We yeah. think ahead, we think big. And we shouldn't listen to specifically our family or very close friends who are worried about us. I I never asked my, my parents. So, you know, you had your big vision, but then you need to take the first step and say, okay, so what do I do first? I need to actually practice. I need to actually make myself laugh. If I can make myself laugh, then maybe I can make other people laugh. Yeah. And then practice in front of the mirror. What I mean, I'm not a stand-up comedian, so I, I, I don't know what you would do. But I imagine you would practice, practice, practice before you got to Globen, but not lose the vision. You know, yeah. stay with the vision and go, whatever it takes, I will be. Did you get to Globen? No. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, your life is not not over. (laughs) Not yet. It's still there. Okay, fantastic. Um, And you've still got a big smile in your face. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I never stop laughing. The tattoo that I showed you. Um, Wonderful, wonderful. No, but I, I, for me, I think it's been um, just like different things came up, and and I enjoy them. I think new 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 pathways open up, and I and I enjoy them. But I did actually rent a theater and, and I sold it out with my own show after three there years as a go. comedian. Yeah. So Who cares if it's global or exactly. not? Exactly. You did it. You so did, I did it. I did so one thing. It. Did yes. one thing. Yes. But, but, yeah, okay. And then I also cross paths with a lot of people who who always have the inner saboteur in them. Yeah. And they wanted to spread it to me. Yes. It's like, oh, that's difficult and you will not manage and you are not this famous and blah, blah. I was like, Dude, it's just I, 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 I can manage. Yeah, I will. Of course you can. So that 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 scares me actually. When when people yeah. just want to throw this negativity on you. Yeah. Or like, don't be, uh, don't be surprised if you don't make it. Like, yeah. Why? It's like, yeah, no, no. I'm going to be surprised if I if I don't make it. Yeah. So yeah, so our precious friends who who try to keep us safe and small, it's like, oh, I told you, I told you, you know, you're not going to make it. But the thing is not to give up. But it, it sounds as if you stayed with your vision, but you may have got distracted, right? <laughs> it sounds as if, which is also a thing that uh, we, we, it's very important 
not to let ourselves get too distracted with lots of other things. We were talking before about um, doing something completely different to what we yeah. normally do. Yeah, you yeah. know, I love to read. I love yeah. to write and I love to read. So right now I'm living, I'm, I'm living, yes. I'm reading the life and living the life of Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it, it, he's an amazing personality, very, very giving, very, very loving. And he lived with his family for a short while when he started drawing. And Van Gogh draws in a very, or drew, in a very, very specific way. And, and he, uh, he, he didn't draw like anybody else in the world. And I think, I think there's nobody that, that, that uh, has ever drawn, drawn like Van Gogh. He draws the soul. He draws the character of, you know, of people who, um, in the mine mining districts in in Belgium, for example, and he drew a woman without a face. But he did that deliberately because she didn't have a face. She had a body, and the body was used in the mines, and she, they lived in poverty, and they lived in a kind of prison. But he drew farmers and miners as bound to the earth. It's it's fascinating. So what I was saying was, you know, I love, you know, one of the best moments in in my day is when I get into bed and I read Ramtha and I read Van Gogh and I go, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I go into another lifetime, another, you know, I've, I've read about Michelangelo. I read about geniuses. So, uh, and, and I read about artists. So it's very important for us to have joy and do what we love to do during the day and do something completely different yeah. uh, in, our, in our spare time. Yeah, and I, 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 I've talked about that with, with a bunch of guests. I call it um, uh, the, breaking, like the breaking point, something different from yeah. what you do, because I think we... A lot of people that do, let's say, like career stuff, if it's academics or starting businesses or being an athlete, we they it's it's really easy to get stuck up with just doing one 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 thing, and I think that it it, yeah. it can also be draining. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it was MMA. Now MMA is my my work. The last year, I started doing Rubik's cubes, solving, okay. solving cubes. Wow! Because also that was your genius. Yeah, yeah. and and, and <laughs> I. Every year, I want to learn one new thing. Okay. I need to, to okay. learn something new if it's a skill in, in whatever way, if it's a language, if it's learning to solve Ruby's cubes, if it's handstands, just anything. I, wow. I need to like evolve in that way too. Yes. So it's been, this year has been Ruby's cube. Next, next year, I think it might be an instrument. I'm not sure. Wow. We'll which, which instrument? Do you know what handpan is? No. It's a really weird instrument. It's, it's metal. It's like a bowl, mm-hmm. and you—it's like a drum. Mm-hmm. You would think that the hand pan is like thousand years old, but it's just like twenty years yeah, old. Really? Yeah, because I look—I looked it up. I think it was invented in Austria. It's really new, but it's like a—it's like a drum. It's like a hand pan. Like a frying pan that you use as a drug? I mean, no, I, can, no, no. I can tell that if there are children listening to this, they'll go, Mom, can I have your frying pan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can play you a song when we're done. Okay. And 100% you would recognize the the instrument. You've well, probably just not seen it. Yeah, I mean, beautiful. It's, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. It's calming. My uh, yoga teacher had it, brought it to his yoga class when we had the Savasana, and he started playing it. 
just go away. Beautiful. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's um, it's a nice instrument. It's yeah. really nice. And you touched on something very, very important. If you're learning, you're living. If you're not learning, you're dying. Yeah. So just <clears throat> keep learning, whatever you do. You know, learn another language, learn to communicate, learn whatever you want to do. Yeah. And I think it's important too because I, I think it's... Uh, I don't know if this maybe comes from the math, actually, when I start to think about mm-hmm. it. But something triggered me is when, when I um, I used to work as a personal trainer. Yeah. And then you have the Pilates ball. Mm-hmm. So I tried to stand on it just with my knees. And my friend had to hold me because, because I just fell off. I fell off. And then I told him that uh, I'm going to do handstands on this ball. It's like you're you're insane, man! <laughs> I'm helping you here, and you you and you say you want to do handstand. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I will, I will. And and four years later, I actually did. Wow! So I did my handstand. There you go. Ball. Yeah, you had a vision. You knew you could do it. Yeah, and you didn't give up. Yeah. yeah. Henry Ford said, you know, if we think we can, we're right. If we think we can't, we're right. Or the other way around. So yeah. We can't. Uh, you're right. If if you think you can, you're right. Yeah. And I think that that for <laughs> me became like a like an important thing because if I could do that I can actually do anything yeah so every time I learn a new ability I know that I can learn one more and one more and one more and it always always makes me not say I am not that smart of a person it it I I, I disprove that every time there you go that I can do anything and I I think that uh yeah we just need to start believing or or just start acting yeah you'd make a great teacher (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> you'd inspire the, t- the, the children. Yeah. You know, that's what teachers need to do is like in, be inspired themselves yeah. and love life and also be very good at business and and good at money. How many teachers are really good at money management? I mean, they get their salary, they pay yeah. their bills, that's all they know. But how many are entrepreneurs? And we need to even uh, school vacate are saying we need to have entrepreneurs in schools to teach entrepreneurship. And the kind of an entrepreneurship that's being taught at the moment, excuse me, but it sucks. <laughs> it's not about joy. It's not about, you know, it's not about bringing the, the brilliance out of ch- children. It's about, it's about, you know, well, let's do a business. But business isn't necessarily entrepreneurship. No, and when we touch on joy, I think that we always forget happiness. Yeah, we and why? Happiness. You know, yeah. If we're not happy, why live? Yeah, <laughs> right. And many of us are miserable. Yeah, many. You know, billions of people are miserable. Because I, what what I can see with a lot of friends and and family or not, but just friends or people around the world, is they they choose uh, economic security. Before happiness. Yeah. So they're miserable, but yeah. they have money and yeah. they're just stuck. Yeah. And unhappy. Yeah. And then, you know, you have lots of money, but what are you going to spend it on? You know, the next yeah. car, the next house, the next wife. Yeah. So what? Yeah. <laughs> if you're not happy. So that's number one is to find what gives you joy and to, to you know, listen to yourself mm. and love yourself and just do whatever it takes to make yourself happy. And dare to quit your job. Yes. However, don't quit it before you can afford to quit it. Yeah. So just keep staying and do your job even better than you mm. did before because you know there's a way out. 
when there's no way out that's depression then you then you're depressed when you see when you're kind of living in a black hole and you can't see any way out but when there's a way out and you know you, you know you're going to go home you're going to work on your job or you're going to do it at the weekends you know your new entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurial business then fine then you can be happy at work too what scares you what scares me technology <laughs> actually it doesn't so much scare me as it, well, it does it does in a way but it's um it's a uh, it's a wonderful advantage but it's also very challenging because it keeps changing and there's more to learn there's more to learn there's more to learn finally i've got a mac <laughs> after years and years of windows and uh, so i'm learning to to manage that and i, I really like it um but I, you know, really more than that, social consciousness scares me. It's like in big cities where people are robotic and what I call the living dead. Mm. That f for me is scary. You know, when you, when you meet people who don't look you in the eye and who are... They're gone. I think that's scary. I think that's really sad. What else scares me? It's, it's, it's an interesting question because um, I don't think there's much that really scares me. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, you know, the, the biggest fear for most people is talking in front of other people. Yeah. And I love it. Give me an audience of a hundred or a thousand and I am so at home. Yeah, so, me too. Yeah, you too. There you go. <laughs> But it's unusual. Most people would rather die than, than be yeah, uh, in front of an audience. Hmm. I've just noticed I talk a lot about death, but, you know, actually I'm very, very alive. So so death is the is the goal of the inner saboteur. Yeah. And death doesn't scare you either. No, not yeah. at all. Why should it? Yeah, we're all because, traveling towards it. Yeah, because life on the other side is not what... Uh, what we've been told it there is no such thing as hell by the way <laughs> and we have scared our children into thinking that and uh, the pope has actually apologized for that um so life it just gets better and better and better even on the other side of this life so that's my message to people. There's all levels of consciousness from, you know, fear consciousness to love consciousness, joy consciousness, and it just gets better. But it depends on your attitude. You, When you die with a certain attitude, you stay with that attitude unless you decide to grow. So life never ends, never. And that sounds like the perfect end for this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for myself. a great conversation. <laughs> thank you very much. And yeah. if, if uh, people want to follow you or find you, do you have a homepage or social media? Uh, yes, Destiny International 1-1, which is really the Roman 2, destinyinternational11.com. Uh, uh, so you'll find me there. Um, yeah, and then Facebook, Katerina Hansens Carlson. Yeah, you're very welcome to friend me and ask me questions and get to know me. Mm -hmm. And I'll get to know you. Mm -hmm. So thank you.
Sounds great. Once again, Katarina Hansen Karlsson, thank you for a great conversation. Thank you, Paul. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.